Number one, Star Wars. Number two, comics. Number three, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Number four, Mario. Number five, Weird Al. Number six, Batman. Number seven, Cal. Number eight, The Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s. But before they all sold out, they all together. Are you with me now? Hey everybody, welcome back to Nerds Ruin Everything. I'm Logan. And I'm Adam. And uh, we're going to talk about a bunch of shit today. Uh, probably, I don't even remember what we said last week, but probably not anything we talked about discussing last week. Because uh, <laughs> I think how we both had uh, like busier than expected weeks. Um, I got some uh, maybe possibly bad not great maybe it turns out all right news uh we are all my work is all going back in office oh crap yeah so it sucks but i'm trying to just be like it'll be okay it does mean i'm gonna have to move though so oh shit when it when is this when is this supposed to happen (laughs) they said end of june which I think is ridiculous because there are several people wow. who relocated out who, if they want to keep their jobs, will not have to relocate back. I'm like, a month is not a lot of time to plan a move, guys. Yeah, <laughs> that is that's fucking ridiculous. Like, and, and also wow, you're gonna wow, have dude. like nine people taking off time at the same time because they have to move. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, they're uh, not thinking this out really well, are they? No, I'm wondering as 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 that date approaches, if if things will be uh, walked back or change or. But I've already got something uh, lined up that I'm really hopeful about. So um, hopefully okay. it won't be too 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 stressful for me. It'll just be. Um, I mean, when I moved from there back to uh, mm-hmm. Columbus, my hometown, everything I had basically got packed up and put into storage. Um, yeah. So it's all still just sitting there. So it's not like I ever unpacked a bunch of shit and then I have to repack it. And really, it's just a matter of like, oh, I just I just got to get a moving van, get a couple of people loaded up take it to this place, unload it. And I I don't have any furniture. So, mm-hmm. um, like I got rid of all that cause it wasn't great furniture anyway. Um, so like anything I need, I'm just going to buy anyway. So it's mm-hmm. like, I don't even have a bed. The bed I'm sleeping on is, uh, actually Ryan's old bed. And, oh, uh, okay. so, uh, so it's not a huge deal for me as it is for like other people, you know, um, that have that have families and have set up all this other stuff during during the time that you guys could remote. Um, yeah. Oh man, oh, I'm so, so sorry, sir. I really uh, am. It is what it is. Like, so I'm trying to take it with a like, oh, it'll all work out, and. Uh, uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, I might be in six months. I might be putting a resume together and uh, putting stuff out there to uh, see what happens. I don't know. Um, just because it felt really not not for me, 
but like I know mm-hmm. the people I work with, and that's uh, nobody cares about this, but um, like I mean, I'm fairly close to them, and like I know a lot of their yeah. situations. I'm like, uh, my situation's a little fluid, and you know, I did what I did for uh, me and to you know try to help my family. I, you know, it doesn't ever quite work out the way you want it to, but um, yeah, you know, but it it was never. Like, it never had to be, like, oh, this is it. Like, this is what I absolutely positively have to do. And, I mean, I know plenty of people who are like, oh, okay, well, you know, during the pandemic, like, their lives lives changed drastically, you know. Uh, had a kid, uh, you know, got divorced, and they have kids. And, like, and we all work night shift, you know. You, you don't have child care in the middle of the night. No, so, no, you don't. Not at all. You know, and, and if you had a baby, a pandemic baby, that kid's not even three. So, you know, it's it's difficult. Even if you, even if you are a two parent home, it's difficult with a baby slash toddler because it's a oh, yeah. lot for one person. You know, and to mm-hmm. be able to work from home and just be like. Okay, well, the kid woke up, so I've, you know, get them, you know, rock them back to sleep. Yeah. You, you can kind of do, you know, my job, you can kind of do most of that stuff and still work at the same time. It's not really a distraction. Um, you can't do that if you're in the office 15 minutes away no. from your house. So. Yep. And the other thing is, you know, are, again, I know nobody cares, but whatever. Um, uh a lot of the people that I work with live in Tennessee. Tennessee does not have state tax. The office that they want extent we're called extended coverage. Um, mm-hmm. Want us to work out of um, is the office in Georgia, which I'm fine with. I've always kept a Georgia yeah. residence, even when I worked out of the office in Tennessee, because I, I just I've kept my father's address because i'm like well this is a stable address to use <laughs> yeah um because i never really knew uh, you know I, I i worked for this company seven years i've moved three times um so i've just kept his address so i didn't have to keep changing things so i've always paid georgia state tax but if you live in tennessee and work in georgia you have to pay georgia state tax so tennessee doesn't have a state tax so some of these people are about to lose upwards of 200 dollars a paycheck 400 dollars a month most of them live paycheck to paycheck i don't know a lot of people that can take a 400 dollars a month hit on their pay nope nobody can like it, it's only with deem with like losing an actual job, not like a, a pay, but not right. like an actual like state pay. Kind of, <clears throat> oh man, this and, just keeps on getting worse and worse. Yeah, dude. and and the commute. If you uh, so the Georgia office is about thirty minutes away from the Tennessee office. So if you live close to the Chattanooga, Tennessee office, uh, yeah, it sucks. But that's that's five ten minute commute. It's yeah. at night. Traffic's not too terrible. Probably not great when you're going to work, but decent when you're getting off because we get off at six in the morning. Uh, mm-hmm. The Georgia office is a 30 plus minute commute for a lot of those people. 
So that's to and from work. And it's just like, you know, that that's the people I'm just like, yeah, I've, I've been real fluid for the last three years just because it's like, I don't know where all this is going and things are kind of like, I'm getting by. I don't need to make concrete decisions. A lot of mm-hmm. these people did, man. And it very much feels like a company that they've given a lot to just turned around and said, nope. And just, I mean, <laughs> to put it bluntly, royally fucked them. <laughs> so, <clears throat> um, yeah, we <laughs> we might be hiring. But th- that that's why I said in six months I might be putting my resume together. Because that's yeah. their thing that they never seem to understand is like, hey, yeah, it, you do this, you're going to lose let's say you lose five people on my shift five people when we're already understaffed is a lot that makes the workflow even heavier for the people yeah. who are already like this is frustrating i had to come back into office um and i feel like i got screwed over and now i have to do even more work because five or more people quit those people are going to get taxed and just mentally taxed and just be like, I don't know if this is worth it. So <clears throat> yeah, we're, we'll, we'll see. I'm like totally playing it by ear. Um, not too, too stressed. Um, if I don't find a place, I will be a little stressed, but, um, yeah, I, I have something lined up. So, um, okay. So, yeah, uh, my next month might be a little like, yeah, I don't have, <laughs> I actually don't have time to do anything because all my spare time is packing or moving stuff or, but we'll see, we'll see. Hey, uh, you know, we like this, this show is super fluid, as you already know, like we, we have in flow with it. So whatever you need, sir, whatever you need, you know that we're, we're, we're going to continue this on regardless. Um jesus dude that's a that's a huge that's a huge smack to your face like just just in general from from a workplace um that supposedly is supposed to care about their their employees and do the right thing by them you know like i can't i couldn't even imagine dude i'm really sorry to hear this this is like terrible terrible stuff yeah Um, three of the 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 the, i don't i don't have three well i mean i have plenty of bosses but the three like higher up level people that actually work at night with me that are uh, Mm -hmm. above me all three of them when we got off the call messaged me and we're like what is your plan like do you like meaning are you going to quit i was like well i Mm -hmm. mean no i think i can make this work i just have to line something up probably gonna have to take some time off to move because like mostly i just have to do it by myself so it's mm-hmm. you know it's a lot more work and uh yeah all of them were just like so you're not quitting i was like no i mean i don't plan on it not not right now but you know if i i'm more worried about the like work gets super fucking stressful hard like, yeah, yeah because because people are quitting because fucking yeah. people are quitting which um I can understand, like, I can understand that stress level because, I mean, let's, let's be honest, like, that's the real, like, like you said, like, I know you well enough to know that you've moved a few times, like, I've seen your, I've seen your storage unit, like, you definitely keep, like, your, you definitely keep your, like, you know, your options there, um, 
but it's still it's the whole thing of like i'm gonna be okay at home but like i'm probably going to like because you know like the plan is like you know it's ultimately it sucks because it's like you know that like you know at least one or two of these people are going to quit and that and if you're already short staff one even one person's workload dispensed through like the four other people that are still around like well, that's you know there's always there's like three or four people who don't quit and you're like those yep. are the people i wish would quit because they suck yes. anyway and it's just like they're already <laughs> yeah. not doing anything so now i'm doing part of their job and all of someone else's because they quit and it's just like i'm not going to move and live away and also like when i first started yes i was like super stressed all the time and like but like Mm -hmm. now i know what i'm doing i'm not stressed about the work that i'm doing i'm just not willing to like fucking like be stressed out all night because i have too much to do like Mm -hmm. i'm just like "Eh, i don't know especially because you know i got a little bit of a windfall uh not to give too much information on here but a little bit of windfall from the buyout coming so yeah uh, our company got bought out so my bills will be a lot less in the next six weeks so it's like uh, yeah if I'm not making a $400 a month car payment, suddenly it's like, well, I don't necessarily have to work for what I'm making now. I can accept a little bit less and not deal with this bullshit. <laughs> Even if it's exactly. not a from home position, just not being in a position, position where I'm like, I don't well, think you're this is worth it anymore. <laughs> Well, away from your family, away from Columbus. I mean, I know that, like, you know, you've moved multiple times and you've been in different places and you're okay with that. But at the same time, being away from your family, which if anybody knows this podcast and has read your has read your column or even like even like listen to anything on the X-Files, uh, the X-Wing Files pod, uh, podcast network knows that family uh, like the Fast franchise is very important to you. <laughs> And, you know, like, again, like you said, like, like, you know, $400 car payment. But here's the other thing is that insurance goes down because you own your car now and, uh, and you don't have to have the additionals. And there's like the reason why, like, I don't know if people know this or not. I mean, I don't know what our, 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 um, our demographic is, but like, you know, you hit a certain age and and insurance starts going down down oh, down yeah. down down and it keeps on, it keeps on going down <laughs> yeah we're both at that age right like um but then the funnier thing is is that if you buy your car because there's not there's not a lien on it which essentially a loan is it, it gets even cheaper so you're not just talking about the 400 dollar car payment you're talking about like say 150 dollars in insurance all of a sudden becomes like a 50 to 60 dollar proposition or even yeah. less uh, um or even like you know or if it's even more because it's a newer car and all that other good shit like like it becomes easier to live because you're leaning out um financially which is always nice right but at the same time it's this whole thing of like it's like it's the stress of it's it's the stress of having the like ultimately this becomes this whole thing of like what am i willing to take and subject myself to 
as opposed to like my personal life, uh, like, you know, in the balance of work life balance, which ultimately becomes this whole fucking fuckaroo thing because of modern, modern life, right? Uh, yep. Or modern, modern workplace life where, you know, um, you know, corporate just wants to make money. Like, that's just all there is to it. Um, and it's fucking difficult and it's hard. Um, I, I know that I don't talk about my job all that often because I'm a programmer, but the thing is, is that like the thing that we've never even talked about is the whole thing of like AI coming in. Um, I've done more AI research recently in the last like four months because of this whole thing, because I'm a computer programmer and everything I've read has this whole thing of like, no government's going to stop it. Everybody's going to stop it because you just can't, because everything points to literal uh, robot apocalypse disaster. Like, you know, but corporations don't see that way. All they, what do they see? They just see dollar signs. Oh, we can just have AI technology just create things. And when we don't have, all we have to do is just pay for the infrastructure. Fuck, fuck the peons. You know, Jeff Bezos is just like, fuck these guys. I don't need to pay these guys. I don't even need to pay artists. I'm going to pay them one time for their likeness. And then, and then I can have Michael B. Jordan in an AI prompt loop. I like talk about hell, right? Um, but at the same time, it's like, like I, I have different worries and concerns, but I mean, my worries are just the same as anybody else's. Um, and we just kind of like try to fight and strive. We fight the fucking fight. And it's sometimes it's fucking hard. Sometimes like I often honestly feel like it's like, are we in those like, like it's weird how Star Wars has shifted, right? We've we've shifted from like beat the bad guys to the bad guys never go away. You fucks, um, you know why? Because you're the problem. You human beings are the problem. Um, and I often feel like that sometimes. It's like is it like the struggle is hard, but you know what? It's constantly a struggle. It's con- I'm constantly facing the empire. There's n- if it's not the empire, it's the first order uh, or the new yeah. order. If it's not the new order, it's the trade. It's 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 the trade the trade guild. It's like what the fuck? It's like every every time you think you got it figured out, these motherfuckers change. It's not even. It's just society changes the game because they think it's fun and they think that like everybody's going after something and AI technology. Oh yeah. You know what? I can make my bucks off of this. I can make a few million. Never realizing you greedy son of a bitch. If you just yeah. took a look and you didn't, you that's, know, uh, um, that scene in Andor, right. Where, uh, yeah. they're the, 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 like the, like Senate and all those people, the politicians are all gathered and that guy's like, Oh, the, the empire, the new republic, the or or the what? Like he's just like, oh, it's all the same thing. Uh, he doesn't say new republic. Yeah. He says uh, uh, the galactic republic, the empire. Oh, it's all the same. Yeah, of course it is to you, man, because like you're a politician or a, a you know fat cat, whatever. And but then you have like the low, 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 low level people who are like, yeah, it is kind of all the same thing because all they see is like people just, you know. Telling them what to do and you know reaching into their pockets. <laughs> yeah, no, it's absolutely. Like, yeah, it's... man. <laughs> it's the somewhere in the middle where the the fight is like, oh no, it's it's different. It's you know, but like, yeah, I don't know. Um, that's pretty. It's funny you bring up Star Wars. I I finished Visions this week finally. Um, oh, gr- <clears throat> oh, what did you? Okay, so this season 
like went a lot wilder in the styles. But I also wanted to know what you thought of the stories. Because I have my opinions about the stories, but I'd actually like to hear what you have to say. So I really, really enjoyed this season. Um, mm-hmm. I like the fact I liked all, all of the different styles. Like it felt a lot uh a lot more versatile, I guess, this time around. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, very varied. It was it was less like I felt like last season was so anime centric that I mean it was almost all, all exclusively like anime styles or yeah. eastern uh, uh, East, not just not just Japanese, but like just anime in general. Like Asian animation was like the key there, which yep. sometimes can get repetitive with the style, especially if you're looking for <clears throat> like visions is supposed to be this whole like like lab, right? It's like supposed to be a lab where they can experiment with style and with different stories. I didn't get that from last season, but I definitely got it from this season because. There's definitely differences, right? Like, yeah. it's not just the style. It's it's actually the stories that they're telling. It feels like, I was going to ask you, does it feel like the styles, <clears throat> the stories complemented the styles more this year? Yeah, I, I definitely think they did. The one thing that I was a little, I don't want to say weird because I appreciated it, but mm-hmm. my idea of visions and probably just based on season one was like, different styles different takes on star wars and while this was different styles and the takes were relevant to the styles they were all i don't think any of these stories could be considered outside of star wars canon that is very true other than okay there was there's one that i feel didn't feel like that which was and i know this sounds weird but it was the it, it was the pit because it was so di- a different kind of rebellion yeah. do you know what i mean yeah like like they approach rebellions very very like very one note and this one felt very but it also like like okay so like we'll get to the pit but to say the pit, I feel, because it was developed in house, because it was Oakland based people or Bay Area, barrier based um, creatives, it became something very different than what Star Wars. Is. It's the one exception I will say, at least to me, that one. Um, like, but everything else, even like um, our song, it feels very Star Wars and of a piece, like. Like anything concerning the Jedi stuff, definitely felt like because thanks thanks Dave Filoni, the expand the expansion of like the Jedi lore and what a Jedi like yeah. what Force users can be. Like I feel like more than anything, like and I was going to ask you, do you feel the same way? Is that they it feels like like this is also a way for them to expand what a Force user can be and what Force 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 based stories are in Star Wars. Um. Yeah, and um, I, I I absolutely do, and it's funny because like the not I don't I don't know how to put this without sounding shitty. Anybody who hasn't watched the animated stuff will point mm-hmm. to or not anybody, but a lot of people will point to Last Jedi and be like, 
it, that movie gets a lot of hate for no reason. And some of it is because of the Broom Boy stuff, which I yeah. agree in hindsight doesn't work. But that's because there's it, nothing's it's never been paid off. And that's, true. that's not Ryan Johnson's fault that it hasn't been paid no. off. Um, but anybody that, uh, meanwhile, the rest of us who have watched the Clone Wars and Rebels and all of this other stuff were like, oh, we know that there are Force users out there in the galaxy who don't fall into like Sith Jedi or immediate associate categories. Like we know about the Night yes. Sisters. You know, uh, we we know about uh, uh, the um, the father, the son, and the daughter. I can't remember the oh, Mortis. The yeah, Mortis, Mortis. trilogy. Uh, um, we know the, about Mortis. Yeah. Uh, we know we know that that there are that it's not as cut and dry as light and dark Jedi Sith. Or, you know, even Ahsoka herself, you know, we like, yeah, we a... know about all of that stuff. So to see it done in animation, like I, I did truly appreciate it. I would like to see that bleed out more into the live action stuff, um, you know, because it's like, I, I don't know, it, it seems like a very uh, simple thing to expand upon because yeah, there would be force users that slipped between the cracks, you know? So, yeah. um, I, I mostly enjoyed all of them. I, I don't think there was mm -hmm. one that I was just like, eh. I was just like, oh, this is unique. Um, I, <laughs> my favorites were probably, I, I like Screechers Reach, but I love those guys. Um, yeah. The and story just like, is what it is, but like I, I don't know something about the way they do things. Cartoon it, saloon. Yeah, I, it just. Yeah. I fucking love it. Um, I I really like that for how dark it goes at the end. Like I really do. Like like I like I like the I like the animation style. I like the adventure of it all. Like because it feels like a Star Wars story. And then yeah. at the last at the last minute when she does what she does with uh, when the the main girl does what she does uh, when doll does what she does like I'm I was actually I actually smiled because you don't expect that from Star Wars but because this is like odds and ends and deeper parts of the galaxy and I've been in this journey of Star Wars as something more um recently because i've been playing uh like over the last like six months i played both of the star wars jedi ea games fallen order and um survivor and that has kind of um and filoni has said that this is canon um like he's definitely talked about it recently um he's talked about like some of the stuff that they consulted with him on um and, and then even if um you follow um who's the guy that does all of the the um the voice work and um David I can't even think of his name David Collins if you follow uh, David yeah. Collins he's been involved in this he's been involved in uh Fallen Order and Survivor and 
that in the way that it's evolved is kind of been very interesting in reading like in playing that game and the kinds of odds and ends and the part of the galaxy that they're in and how that works um and because you're in a time pre it's this interesting time that's like plus about 15 plus 14 or 15 years after revenge of the sith so it's it's minus five years before New Hope. Like so, it's around the time Obi Wan is. But the thing is, is that you go to Jeddah and you see stuff in at Jeddah. Uh, you work with Saw Gerrera. Like you're a part of it, but you're not. Um, but what's interesting is, is what they allow you to do as a as somebody who has Force powers was a Padawan, but not an official Jedi, but gets reordained a Jedi. Um, and like the ability to become like this like weird Jedi a force using sort of Jedi bounty hunter. That's fucking very interesting. But it's like what I like, what I like about this era of Star Wars is how it's expanding on, like I said, like what the force users are, right? Um uh, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that's going on in this series that's pretty interesting, like the the visions volume two. Um, it's something as silly as like I am your mother, which is like a great. It's like a great like little I, bit of. Community. It might be my favorite. It, it is non-essential as hell. Like <laughs> there is nothing in it that's like that uh, could even remotely have to do with canon. But I just I loved it. I loved every second of it. I loved how simple the story was. I, I was like I did, like I really really appreciate this. As much as I would like to see uh, the uh, Aardman guys do, like, lightsabers and shit like that, it was just, yeah. it was so fun to just see them do a Star Wars story that's exactly what you would expect from Aardman. Aardman. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> no, 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 you're you're absolutely right. And then, and then like, they're just heroes for me because they got Dennis Lawson as yeah. wedge to do a cameo but like the best part about animation is is that you can set at any time it's not like like wedge is somebody that you know would have to be post revenge uh, like post a ray skywalker um fucking hate fucking hate that movie god oh such an insult to all of us but anywho uh back to the stuff that we love um but he plays prime era post revenge uh post return of the jedi wedge but it's a, such a weird, funny cameo that you don't expect it. First. And you're like, is that? But then it, it's it's something that it's very it's very Lucas centric. And when I say Lucas centric, I literally mean George Lucas because it's about a race and it's about a, a mom and a and a daughter. Yeah. And it's it's about like class structure too. Like it's, but it's all in the background because this thing is just such a delightful. What I loved so much was sitting there. I watched that thing four times because the the most the the best part about that is not the first time you watch it, not the second, but the third time when you just start pausing and looking at the track and looking at everything that Artiman has done to make this like a super deep like like visual treat because like like you know it's uh, it's claymation. And or CGI, it was it CGI augmented or was it just straight up? Uh, was it did they just do this as a straight up uh claymation? I don't know, man. I mean, it looks uh, fantastic. 
Yeah, no, it does. It does. And that's what the thing was for me with this is that I could pause it and just look at, look at the backgrounds. Like I'm, I, we don't, we don't talk about this much, but I'm a huge animation fan. I mean, I think as you are, I mean, we just kind of like daily, we, whenever we talk about the stuff on the podcast, we don't treat it like it's a special episode. We just kind of talk about what we talk about. Um, and that's what I love. But this one, like Artemon, like is very special in the wheelhouse of very special animation houses. Like they're that elite tier. Like I don't even think Disney anymore is elite tier. Like I feel like Artemon is still there because they take so long and it's so handcrafted. Uh, Studio Ghibli is that. And then um, I also feel like the guys that do the Irish, uh, the Irish, uh, the Irish outfit that does the CGI or the computer assisted hand drawn um, uh, stuff like Secret of the Kells. Yeah. Uh, those guys um, are also elite because, or Kellis, I should say, um, because they're um, the guys that ran by Tom Moore. I can't think of the animation house or what it's called. Um, but that oh uh, no there oh actually it's cartoon saloon what the hell yeah, was I was about you just said it it's yeah yeah. Saloon, it? yeah saloon yeah those guys are also elite tier like I think that like if we're talking about like non Asian animation studios those are the elite tier because they care it's not like they're they they have this weird balance this great balance of art and commerce that come together like all three of those studios that I just don't feel like Disney has anymore. Like I like Disney. I like Pixar, but they're on the second tier. They're the more commerce than art. Like the art just happens to be incidental. I feel like, but somebody like Artemin, the art comes way before the commerce of it all, but they still consider it. Like, you know, I'm super fucking excited for chicken run too. I mean, that's been what 20 years in the making. Yeah. 20 years in the making um like like a like i fucking love chicken run like it's one of my like if the fuck that fucking asshole didn't do what he did um who will remain me i mean what we you know fucking um fucking mel gibson like like it, it's shitty that such a beautiful like <laughs> such a beautiful movie he's so good <laughs> he really is he really is. He takes that whole Steve McQueen, like, like character from The Great Escape, but transmutates him into a chicken. And I mean, it's just him and um, uh, what's her name? Uh, the one that plays um, uh, Ginger. Uh, I think it's Julius Waller. Like uh, both yeah. of them together. Both of them together, along with Miranda Richardson playing Mrs. Tweedy. The, yeah. the chicken farm owner like it's just a great 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 like movie regardless of what you think of him but it's so hard not to think of him when you're when you know who that voice is right but um yeah you know who they who they replaced him with right no i don't who did zachary, they, who did zachary they... levi oh my god that's hilarious yeah. that is hilarious oh my gosh i'm looking at the Bella Ramsey is in it. Yeah, the the cast for the was it Dawn of the Nugget is it's really yeah. pretty good. I mean, uh, Bella Ramsey, mm-hmm. Thandie Newton, um, uh, Ben Ferguson. 
Um, Amal Desant in his back. Uh, I mean, uh, Nick, Nick, Nick Muhammad. Um, yeah. Who, you know, our favorite person to hate on Ted Lasso. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm, this is going to sound weird. I'm glad that David Bradley is still around. Because, like, I mean, that dude always does good, like, creepy work. But something about yeah. his voiceover work is so interesting to me. And he's so much fun in, in Chicken Run. Like, he's just he really like, next level. Cre- like, how are you creepier in animation? You already look like the Crypt Keeper, you know? <laughs> He really does like, like, but still, like, ultimately, my favorite role from Bradley isn't Harry Potter. It's it's Hot Fuzz. It's the character that he yeah, plays in Hot Fuzz that is so yeah. Welsh. He just like, and then fucking what's his name? Um, Nick Frost has to translate. <laughs> it's just yeah. great. Uh, he's he is so good. Um, like. In anything that I've seen, like I love, like there's a there's an adaptation of Nicholas Nickleby um, that was made in the early 2000s that stars Charlie uh, Hunnam, yeah. and it's it's like of that era where we were making literal adaptations, but they were like made like like screwball comedies, so like the dialogue was super quick and super snappy, and he's in that. And he's fucking great. That's actually a, a an uncovered, um, an out of print gem because I don't think that it's actually in print anymore. Or if it is, the Blu-ray is like one hundred and twenty-five dollars. But if you can get your hands on Nicholas Nickleby from two thousand and two, that is like a great, great like literal adaptation because it's done as a screwball comedy. And he, David Bradley, is great. I just just to throw yeah. a, that one out there. But yeah, he like he is super fucking creepy in in the I think it's also the 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 character work is so weird because it's so wholesome. But at the same time, those characters, when they get evil, they get fucking evil, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, you know, but oh, man, that's hilarious. Uh, chicken. Oh, I, I, and I also just love it's called Chicken Run Dawn of the Nugget. Like, that's yeah. just great. Um. But yeah, like um, like anything else about uh, visions, any of the other ones that were like like unique in in a way that you wanted to like you wanted to kind of talk about in regards to like as it reaches out to no. the Star Wars, expanding out the canon. Okay, I mean they're they're all uh, unique you, in their own be, way. So. Yeah, I was going to ask, would you be up for a, a third one? Oh hell yeah! Like there's so many. Like, especially watching this, um, mm-hmm. n- not that I, I can appreciate anime. I, I I really can. But like you said, like, the first one was so anime-heavy inspired that I it did feel like I really appreciate this. I don't know if I can watch this over and over and over and over again. Just watch different anime takes on Star Wars. Might get a little tedious. So, leaning more into this, I would like to see, a for the third season, I would love to see a better blend of what they did in the first season and the second season. And just do 
I, I would like to see some crazy ass animated takes on Star Wars. Just absolutely crazy. Like, what like, would the Star Wars universe look like, um, you know, if it were created by some of these people? Not stories set in it, but just, like, fully, like, cre- like a Darth Vader story by the Ardman guys. Like, what does that look like? You know, Darth Vader not played serious, just goofy and dumb, you know? <laughs> um, kind of a lot like uh, what Seth MacFarlane did with his Family Guy Star Wars stuff, which was yeah. semi-successful, like in in terms of being like parody. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm down for for that, and and they're short, they're easy, easily digestible. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, not to to change course, but like it's animated, and I I meant to look and see who's doing the gremlins the the uh new animated show on mm-hmm. h on on max sorry not hbo yeah. max um uh, whoever I'm those guys are yeah i'm gonna call it hbo like that's what that's what i bought into i might just call it that so. <laughs> um, um but so, whoever those guys are, I'd love to see because I, I really, really enjoyed that that uh, animation style. I'd like to see fucking Kennedy Tartakovsky come back and do something, man. Like, oh man, Gendy. I mean, but then does that like as long as it doesn't fuck up Primal? Because yeah. I'm so in the bag for Primal. Like, Primal is like a boy and his dog. Like. Dude, I get emotional about that fucking that show because it's literally I've, I've a boy and his dog. It. I've got to watch it. Oh, oh man, it. It, it it's like Conan gets a pet. That's literally it. What it is, or Turok learns that dinosaur hunting is bad and oh, finds and finds a pet dinosaur that him like. Uh, dude, I'm I'm gonna what fuck. Um, all right, talk, deep breath. Whew, okay, it's this like it's this great. Story this great thing of like a caveman finds a T-Rex and they both figure out that they need each other to survive in this ever changing, like apocalyptic world. And it's very brutal, but within that brutality, like in Conan, like that's why I compare it to, it's like, it's a Conan gets a pet within that brutality. There's this, this like hard earned love and trust that's built throughout it that you can see. It's very Gendy. Like if you like, if you've ever watched, I mean, like you watched Samurai Jack, we all did. We loved it. It's very of that kind of, of let's take the ideals of a certain kind of, a certain kind of story and play with them. This is definitely not a kid's show. Like, you know, this is not something I would ever recommend for kids unless they're like, you know, unless they're like, like, unless you're a parent that's very flexible, you don't mind your kid. Like, basically, if you if you raised your kid the way that you got raised in the 80s, then yes, please, by all means, show them primal. But if not, and you're a a little bit more of a helicopter parent, not to insult you, but you want to keep them away from this because it gets very violent. But it's great because it's got this like it's Gendy being Gendy because there's no dialogue. It's all just animation and pure cinema, like and in the best way possible because it's unhinged because it's animation. Um, 
and uh, I just really, really adore that that series. Like, I wish I could get a 4K version of it, like a physical media. Once it's done, I hope that they bring out a box set like they did with Samurai Jack and just give me all the details of why he did this and what he did. Um, but it's great. Uh, it's all to say it's great. Um, but did you have a chance? Oh, actually, um, you know who actually did it was Warner Brothers Animation uh, was uh, the Gremlin show. Okay. Uh, they, I they, didn't even know they still had an animation department anymore. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, they did before this was cre- they did when this was created. I think that this was created um, before the purge. I'm just okay. going to call it the purge because the before the the Zaz purge, which how like I hate Boston. But Boston College, I got to give slow clap for booing the shit out of Zaz because that's yeah. exactly what he that's exactly what should fucking happen. Right. Boo that motherfucker. Keep on booing him wherever he goes. Boo him because he's part of the problem. Um, but we're not here to talk about that. Um, so did you. Wa- OK, so did you watch? Uh, OK, I, so did. like, I didn't actually. OK, um, it was it like. Two episodes, three episodes, because I've seen the whole series. Um, I reviewed they, they, it. Okay, they dropped two. Um, I, I so you've seen the whole thing, so I, I'm not so much worried about spoilers. Where uh, does this fall in the timeline? This would be a prequel to the Gremlins yes. movie. Okay. Yes. So it, I was a little unsure place. about that. So it takes place 50 years before the original, uh, the, the new, uh, the first crowd, oh, okay. because okay. it's, because it's like 19, it takes place in Shanghai in 1930. So did it the, say that in the show or did, did I just miss it? At the very beginning. At the okay. Very beginning, I must have it just says missed it. Shanghai 1930. Yeah, okay. no, it's very quick. That's on me. Um, <laughs> I missed quick. it. <laughs> But no, 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 no. But here's the thing is that I had to actually look at the press notes to actually find out when it takes. Like, I knew it was older. Um, I knew it was taking place in the past, but I just didn't know how far in the past. So it's about 50 or 60 years before. So the kid, from what I understand, is supposed to be the guy that ends up in the shop that has the Mogwai. Gotcha. So, like, it's in Shanghai, but eventually, I think that the whole thing is is that they move. Like, I think in the second season, they're going to move to to San Francisco, and they're going to have like issues in San Francisco um, because the parents are going to immigrate. Um, uh, nothing like it, it, it's it doesn't end like that, but it definitely where <laughs> where the gremlins are at the end, you absolutely know that that's what they're going to do because it's an adventure move monster. Like I, I think I, I said in my review, and I think I told you. Like, I wish that they would have done three episodes because the first two episodes are the whole setup with the the main bad guy and the family. But the third one actually gives you, like, what the formula is because it's, like, it's a monster of the week show where instead of, like, Buffy where it deals with Eastern European demons or, Western, like, you know, like, Western world demons, right? right? This is a show kind of like Buffy that deals with eastern or chinese mythology demonology so like every week you get a new demon that's that's from chinese mythology and how these two like i think at the end of the second one 
um, uh, Sam and I think it's L are are like together, right? Or they're like literally they're they, they've at least met and they've like kind of rubbed up against one another. Yes, L is the little the the American girl. That um, by the end of the there. second episode, they've um they've decided to team up against um the, this big big baddie guy. Yes, because she's uh, she's uh, working right, for him. Yes, like her and the other like kind of David Copperfield scamps are like you know like there's a there's a crew of them. Uh, they're working with them, uh, working with him. Um, uh, yeah, like it's it's kind of a. I like it because of the mean streak in it. Like it gets meaner. Like I know that that like it's pretty mean at the beginning, um, but it, it gets even meaner as the show goes on. But that, I think that's part of the Gremlins. Like especially the first one, it's kind of got this mean streak that I don't mind. Like like it was like. We haven't talked about this, but like Gremlins was like kind of like the first attraction I had to horror because I didn't understand like like up until that point, because you figure it was 84, I was six years old, right? Like the, the way that things came into my periphery of horror was super scary. Like I like, you know, my parents watching Exorcist, my uh, my parents watching Friday the 13th or The Thing and like sneaking out and seeing all this fucking transcendent horror horror imagery scared the shit out of me but this gremlins the first gremlins was like it was like the first taste of like like right on the cusp of being inappropriate horror at all but the thing that hooked me in gremlins was the microwave scene like (laughs) it made it fucking made me laugh and the whole kitchen thing is just it's it's uh it's it's so fun, but scary, but gross. It's like perfect entry-level horror stuff for, like, kids. Because there's, yes, it's scary, but there's almost immediate payoff with every single situation. Absolutely. Like like the bar, like when the gremlins um, are, yeah. are, fucking with, uh, are fucking with Phoebe Cates, and then she finds the camera. And she starts fucking doing the camera, like like the like the flash bulbs. It becomes it, yep. it becomes hilarious. Like you don't even realize there's a there's a there's a like I didn't realize until I was a lot older and I saw it on DVD again. So like there was like a ten year gap between VHS and DVD where I didn't see it. So like I think it was like what early two thousands they brought out that big uh, that that big special edition where Howie Mandel fucking yelled at everybody on the commentary track and then got disinvited to fucking do anything with gizmo again that's also the reason why he's not the voice of gizmo because yep. he's a fucking he was a fucking behind he's a behind the scenes asshole guys howie mandel should not be like should not be this fucking like yeah, he's a bit dude. of a dick there, yeah all you, all you have to do guys is just 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 listen to his commentary track and see how he yells at at zach galligan who who is the sweetest dude? Everything I've ever heard is the sweetest dude in the world. Um, and I mean, Phoebe Cates too. Like I've never heard yeah. a, a single bad thing about either one of them, which is maybe why they did. Well, Phoebe Cates like purposefully stepped back 
from Hollywood. Yeah, she. Um, well, she married. Uh, she married, you married Kevin Klein, and then it's just like Kevin Klein. I don't need to do anything else. <laughs> I'm married yeah. to a beautiful, brilliant man, and um, you know, I don't have to put up with Hollywood's bullshit. <laughs> so yeah, their sta- their standards, their their image standards. Walk into every audition, and somebody's like, "Uh, are you gonna take your top off?" <laughs> like, yeah. no, man. Everybody's seen that. Shut up. <laughs> um, but yeah, Zach uh, Galligan, like you know, yeah, I, I kind of always just felt bad for him because I think he's phenomenal. He just like for whatever reason didn't get the work he should. So, um, I, I'm if there is going to be a season two, I really hope that i don't know i it sounds weird to be like well i hope there's a huge time jump but it's like if this is going to keep going at some point it would be great if there was a time jump just to have like more adventures of with uh gizmo and um zach gallon and billy yeah Yeah, billy uh, Billy. um i don't uh like I, I would be interested to see if that's the case. Um, it's very, like, it's, like, I could see them doing this series, and then when it ends, doing another Gremlin series, where it's a, few, it's a, it's a sequel, um, if this works out. Like, almost like the way that they do, like Warner Brothers does and Disney does, they do three seasons of something, and then they evolve it. Like, I hate that. Like, I, I, I truly honestly hate yeah. that, that, they end something only to remake it again, like to do the same creatives, but it's just a different show for another three seasons. Like it reframes it. I could see them doing that with this. Um, the the big thing I feel like that that's the big thing is that um, Joe Dante is the creative consultant on this show. And you can feel the Dante touch in this show because of the cruelty, the way that he mixes humor and cruelty, especially like the way well, he's that listed as the director. He's listed as director. As director for the first two. Yes. Cause he, okay. he's such a big, he's such a big, um, he's such a big, uh, I guess he's like, I mean, he's a huge, like anybody knows, like he's a huge animation fan. So, um, but he also is the creative consultant or the creative producer um, on this, working with uh, Zichun, who uh, developed the show and show runs it. But I guess they have a very good working relationship. And Dante is the one that pushed more for the horror stuff. So, like, if you see gremlins bite fe- people's fingers off, that's him. Like, that's Dante saying they need to be, they need to, the, the gremlins need to be agents of chaos. And they need to be on the cusp of rated R, um, from what I understood. And um, so... They get the gremlins right. Like, they get both Gizmo. Like, Gizmo is easy because it's, like, it's cutesy, right? But the way that you, the way that they ultimately, the way that it's ultimately going to fly or sink, uh, sink or swim is getting the gremlins right. And they do. Like, like later on in the show, <clears throat> when well, that's they the start showing up. I've only just seen, like, they just... By the end of the second episode, second, that's right. They just yeah, they're created just the, getting the to the gremlins. Yes. So, so when they start coming out and they start like 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 they start working with uh, Riley 
who is the 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 white the, the the white guy who's culturally appropriating everything from yes. from Chinese culture, which Matthew, is great. Matt, Matthew never, Reese, right? Yes, Matthew yeah. Reese. And this is a this is a fucking this is a fucking show that you've got Ming Na Wang and Beatty Wong playing the parents of the kid. Um, you got Matthew Reese. Of course, you've got James. Like, you have to have James Hong, right? Like he is like. The go-to dude, like so, he plays grandpa, like he did in Everything, Everywhere, and All at Once. Um, but you also have Sandra Oh that's going to show up. Randall Park, of course, you got to have George Decay. And I'm not going to tell you who George Decay is playing, but it's the most like it's exactly what you would expect in a Gremlins movie. Who he's going to play? Um, and Bo and Yang from SNL. So like you have a bunch of like. Chinese American actors or uh, Chinese era actors, uh, Chinese, like, you know, I guess Chinese American, because most of them are uh, American um, based actors that are like guest stars in the show. So um, and then also, like, I'm going to say right here, they give the origin of the Mogwai and it is so beautifully Chinese centric. Yeah, I really appreciated that. Yeah, it's like. Like, I can't not be okay with this show, however long it's going to run. I think that they, I think that they have an intention. I think I was reading they have an intention of if, as long as it's successful, three seasons. So, like, that, that's what gives me pause to think, like, they'll do these seasons. And then if they're still successful, they can make another Gremlins with, like you said, like, like Zach Galligan coming back for his voice. I mean, I wouldn't see how they couldn't. I mean, I'd be down Dude, for a like, live-action third movie, but I just, I don't know if they'll get the money for that. But, I mean, the way Hollywood's going, who the hell knows? So. Well, okay, so I listen, like, Dante has a podcast called The Movies That We Made, The Movies That Made Me, and he runs it with Josh Olson. Josh Olson is actually the screenwriter of History of Violence, Um the great Cronenberg adaptation yeah. of the, the the manga or the the uh, the comic book the Max Allen Collins um, animated uh, or um, comic book um, or graphic novel. Um, he's talked about a third Gremlins and how they want to do it, but him and Spielberg both agree that they can't do it CGI. They can do CGI assisted, but it has to be primarily like legacy effects, basically, oh, for and sure. how. The studio won't give them the money that they need for it, which makes me think that it's probably like I looked up the budget for uh, Gremlins to the new batch and I adjusted it for like like um, twenty twenty three dollars. And it's one hundred and fifty million dollars. That's how much that movie cost. Yeah, I made like in adjusted dollars. It made something like three hundred and fifty million and they still didn't think it was a success because it made less than the the, the original. But um. But like that kind of money, and like I guess Spielberg and Spielberg and Dante both agree it has to be done in a certain way. It has to be done with a certain style that they just they keep on getting told no that they that they need to do certain markers, which of course makes complete sense coming from fucking Warner Brothers. So I guess the compromise for the time being, because they knew that Warner Brothers was going to push, was to do the animated series, to do this yeah. prequel series. Which that makes sense because if you think about it, if you don't want to do like if you thought that the all hopes were up on the Gremlin series, you would just do an animated sequel 
You wouldn't do a prequel. Yeah. Like, I feel like the prequel, like, if you do a prequel, you're saying, we don't want to touch the future because it could be live action if this yep. is successful. Yep. So, um, I, I stay with it if you're... It, I, like I'm, I said, I'm in it. I, I really, okay. really enjoyed it. Um, I, I liked getting uh, th- th- that little bit of backstory... I I'm I'm a sucker for like kids on an adventure, you know, like yes. I, I just I, I'm a real sucker for that. Um, and, and I mean it's a very uh, I mean you know it, it's a Joe Dante kind of thing. He's done that with tons of movies, but and it's Spielbergian yep. too. Like it, it's that yeah. their whole bread and butter. Um, but yeah, I I enjoyed the animation style. It was a Little, I I felt like Gizmo maybe talked a little too much. Like they have like a very weird brief conversation in the second episode, um, but it wasn't like completely off putting. Um, I it it did make me want to go back. I've seen the first Gremlins enough that that I'm good. I haven't rewatched Gremlins two in a very long time. And I I used oh. to love that movie. We watched it so much when we were kids. And this made me want to revisit the second one far more than revisit the first one. Because it it's it has a like a more uh I won't say goofy, but it it's just not as cartoony. Self, yeah, not as self serious. Yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> Absolutely. It's a very it's it's a oh like it's 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 a very like the sequel is almost like making fun of itself in a weird way but i will tell you yeah. this much bro if you haven't seen it just be prepared for like what i didn't realize like i saw i watched it last year and i'm probably gonna watch it again um a little bit more. let me know when you watch it because i'll watch it too like i'll watch it in like a couple i'll make the time to watch it um after you watch it so we can talk about it but the thing that I never realized was like all of my, like as a kid, I watched it and it was fun, right? But when I watched it as an adult, I didn't realize that my, like, it's, it goes without saying, Joe Dante is one of the biggest film geeks in the world. Like, he literally, like, when Quentin Tarantino says, who, like, when they ask him who's better than you and he says Joe Dante, he, there, he's right. Like, Joe Dante is like this encyclopedic knowledge of film from, birth of film to like current era like him um who's the uh, who's the guy the twilight zone director uh landis landis yeah john landis and, yeah. and quentin are like walking encyclopedias like they could tell you who the key grip was on um real lobo or any howard hawks film or like any like or like who was like you know who was second ad on on like you know the third episode of Mannix. Like, that's how fucking deep they are. But the thing is, is that I didn't realize that me watching older films and classic Hollywood and just weird geeky stuff through my whole life would inform on Gremlins 2 in a way that I never thought. And it became an infinitely funnier movie because I got, like, I'm not going to say I got 100%. I got, like, maybe 60% of the jokes that he was making in Gremlins 2 that I didn't get as a kid. And it became this wildly fun experience for me to like, 
oh shit, my my film knowledge is working in a way in this film that I didn't have. I had a completely different experience, basically. Uh, so I'm very excited for you to, to to watch this again, especially because of like you know if it's been a long time since you've watched it, just how much knowledge you have of film and coming back to it and watching Dante do what Dante does best, which is like, <clears throat> it's just allow himself to make a wild cartoon, right? Like, like yeah. that's just, so. And it's um, kind of a shame he never got to fully work like in animation. I mean, he did, so there's small soldiers, right? Which is yep. a wholly underrated movie. Um, yes. And then he did like his big shot, and I feel so fucking bad for him that it just didn't work out. Was Looney Tunes back yeah. in action? Like I know that dude was so fucking jazzed for that movie because that is straight up like his, like it's like. It would be like somebody asking you to make a Star Wars film and you'd be like, fuck yes. yes. And then you make it and then like it just gets eviscerated and you're just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, like, this is my dream project and nothing worked out. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, like the crazy part about this is like everything that. So like, like, yeah, like I know a lot about that just because I've listened to Dante on his podcast and he's given a, enough information, like uh, enough information about what happened on that, that it even breaks your heart even more when you realize the film that he was trying to make, the film that they allowed him to make and the film that yep. was edited, um, which are three entirely different things. Like, like, like I will say this much, um, I've watched it. He is a little bit too hard on it, but I feel like if you didn't get what you wanted, uh, like if you didn't get what you wanted and they basically just did like this, like second tier version of, of what essentially is who framed Roger rabbit. Um, yeah. Yeah. I could definitely tell. And like that ended his career basically. I mean, he went back into uh whatchamacallit. He just went back to lower budget films. Uh, which is really sad, uh, really, really sad because he really should have been given more. Um, he's such a, I've come to it like over the last five years, I like, you know, with trailers from hell um, and his podcast, I've really come back to like, uh, he's one of the Dante underrated is... filmmakers of yes. the eighties and nineties, like wholly, wholly underrated man. No, absolutely. Like, like everything that he's done like i mean like so like i had to consider it like like we've talked about the burbs the burbs is probably one of my favorite summer movies like it's a movie that i put on when it's super fucking hot it's like the middle of august and i can't get to sleep i'll put the burbs on because it feels like that because that's the time of place it takes it takes place in and i've gone from a kid who watched that movie that loved it because it was fucking Tom Hanks being a uh, and Rick Dokum being idiots to a guy who now realizes and understands just how fucking not just nuts this this shit is, but how kind of to real life, like being in your thirties and being around people and like having no other choice but then to be friends with certain people because of the location that you're in, um, is just fucking it's it's a brilliant bit. Like, you know, and Dante directs the shit out of it like that. Um, 
I mean, we've talked, like I said, we've talked about it before and I love that movie. And I've had to like, kind of like, I've come to this whole thing of like, Dante's not just a great underrated director. He's probably one of my favorite directors because the movie, like the burbs, matinee, small soldiers. I was about to say, when's the last time you watched matinee, man? That's a movie that people did not get when it came out. Oh no, absolutely. I saw it three times when it came out. Um, uh, when I was a kid, because I fucking love John, John in, Candy, in, in, or John Candy, not, uh, John, uh, John Goodman. Oh God, yeah. yes. Martin Short and Dennis does Quaid. Not get like that. That is like it is such a fucking underrated '80s romantic comedy. Like they just people sleep yep. on man. I tell Spencer all the time. I'm like you, because he's never seen. It. I'm like Inner Space is. Uh, just such a good fucking movie, man. Like it's just—it really a... is. M- Martin Short, like, like we're we're in a new era of Martin Short, right? Yeah. Like, but those of us that you know, Marty Glickelman, um, Clifford, like, we all knew back in the day that Martin Short was a fucking genius. Uh. Uh, you know, so, but yeah, Inner Space explores the howling piranha, um, both gremlin movies. Uh, it, it's kind of brilliant. Like, he's kind of like, like, I've had to recompense with like readjusting my, like, you know, my love, like, who are my top tier directors? And Joe Dante is definitely one of them um, because of the work. I mean, I continually go back to it. And when you continually go back to somebody's work, you have to kind of, you, you, you kind of have to like stop and go and appreciate the fact that, you know what, I'm going to this, this dude or this gal's work constantly. Why is that? And there's something that draws you to it. And uh, that's me for, for Dante and a lot of other directors, but him like is something that I realized in the last couple of years. Like it's kind of fun when you have these epiphanies in your forties that like still make you feel like a younger person, right? Like, like the youth of your mind is still there. Like you can still look at, you can still make opinion changes about things. And that always goes to like my whole thing of like, like I have a, okay. So like friend, uh, like, uh, like, you know, our mutual friend, Scott Phillips and I always constantly have this argument about, he's a dude that loves to be like, forward thinking right always in the front of his eyes in front of the road so like he always watches movies that are new to him he never goes back and i always have the argument with him that you have to go back because you've changed as a person especially those movies that you just didn't feel good about that are from directors that you like really love and he just always like i don't have time and like he's constantly on the yeah. on the hunt but i'm I'm one of those people, and I think you are too, that where we go back and we're okay with going back. Um, we're okay with going back to things because it changed your your opinion changes of things, right? Like because you've changed. And I don't mind ruining movies for myself, right? Like there are movies that age has not been kind to them, right? Oh yeah. And they become this whole just watch like like if you really want to know, like. There, like, there's a couple of still elite John Hughes movies that don't ch- your opinion doesn't change about, but there's an entire swath of them that mm-hmm. if you watch them now, you would be like, oh shit, they're just as toxic as these new fucking movies because that's the way that kids are. Kids are toxic, um, which I feel like never 
nobody ever really wants to talk about about how like you know <laughs> kids are hey, kids man. are fucking turns kids, out kids are assholes. <laughs> like, yeah, kids kids are dipshit. Kids are fucking racist little sexist shitheads. Why? Because they haven't learned. They haven't been punched in the fucking face either by life or by somebody else. Like the greatest lesson I ever learned was getting fucking knocked the fuck out. For like honestly, some dumb like shit. I, <laughs> yes, said some dumb shit to a fucking college age dude when I was a junior, and I got laid the fuck out. Like literally, got fucking punched in the eye socket and blacked out. And this is from a dude who loved to fight when he was in high school, loved to push his literal weight around um, because he was very angry. But I fucked around and I found out. And you know what? I made some modifications because, you know, nothing, nothing blunt force trauma, both physical and emotional, does more growth and learning that, nah, little fucker. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Let the adults talk. Even if it's somebody that's three or four years older than you. Yep. Like, it's those moments. And kids don't get those anymore. Um, but anywho, that's way off topic. Um, uh, yeah, it's to say, I, I'm actually super excited for you to to watch the rest of... Uh, wa- uh, watch the rest of the... Uh, um, watch the rest of the series. Because, I, like I said, I know what's coming up. I know what's happening. So it's going to be a lot of fun for you to to like navigate this this show um and it's only 10 episodes so 10 half hour episodes so you guys can't go wrong with this one yeah it's, it, it seems like a lot of fun I'm, I'm excited i hope it's somewhat successful um i feel like the the max relaunch was uh i i don't know how much more attention it or how much more attention it got in terms of subscribers but it feels like it was it was it's stupid but um my biggest fear was like it's going to like it, nothing is going to work it's all just going to crash and it didn't it seems okay the interface is worse um it already yes. wasn't somehow great, but yeah. it's <laughs> worse <laughs> so well, okay so my biggest fucking thing like, okay, so, like, we got to talk about two things if we're talking about streamers' interfaces uh, or just streamers in general. Um, okay, so my biggest thing, and this is fucking pisses me off, is the discovery stuff. I don't want reality TV in, yeah. my, fucking, in my fucking streaming user interface. You know what? Just because I watch cooking shows doesn't mean you have to fucking give me Property Brothers fucking in their 35 yeah. fucking shows or whatever below deck or whatever the fuck you fucking you fucking or fucking push. Fuck you. Don't give me discovery stuff. Keep it separate. Keep me like if I want it, then like let me have that. If I want just ma- like mm, it really makes me mad because it's also in addition to the fact that the user interface sucks eggshells so bad. It just it's so stupid and so wonky and so just kind of like, oh, we like this from this interface. We like this from this and we like this from this and we like this from this. It's fucking chaos. It's Zaz all over again. This is like Zaz as a user interface. Like that's what it is. And I'm like, okay, why are you showing? Like when I go to TV shows, it literally is just, you could tell that it's Zaz because all of the discovery stuff is 
okay, there should be no fucking reason why I'm seeing all the discovery stuff and I'm not seeing promotions for, and I know this sounds stupid, but like, go with me on this. There's no reason why I shouldn't be seeing like white house plumbers, um, uh, sex in the city too. Um, Oh, like all of these other flagship shows that they're, that, uh, uh, that they're, they're running on HBO and max these things that are supposed to be big things for them is not there. All it is is fucking discovery, stupid reality show bullshit, right? So you yeah. spent, you spent, a, you spent two hundred million dollars on this White House plumber show starring uh, Woody Harrelson and a bunch of other big name actors, but you don't fucking show it on the front screen of your fucking of your page. You show me whatever Vanderpump bullshit. I don't know which one. I don't know what it was, but I mean, literally, I turned it off as it, it, it instantly because it just. I don't. Discovery is not as important as HBO. HBO is your fucking flagship. What are you doing? Yeah. Get your fucking head out of your asses and do it right. But of course, this is this is HBO's way. This is Max's way. This is Warner Brother Discovery's way, right? Like this is like their thing. Like you know. If you want, if you want some, if you want something done horribly wrong, then go to Warner Brothers Discovery. Why? Because I'll give you two examples: Shazam Two and The Flash. Yeah. So Shazam Two, it has a dude in it that might be a tiny bit problematic because he's talking about sh- uh, COVID and shots and stuff. I mean, uh, he was just being I, an idiot. He showed up. <laughs> yeah, uh, he showed up real quick. When he realized that his shit could be in danger, right? Okay, fine. But then you have the dude that has cracked open a woman's skull with the fucking chair, choked out women, sexually groomed children, um, shot shot at people. Allegedly. Um, <laughs> allegedly. Oh, okay, fine. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. All allegedly uh, started basically a fucking cult. And you're saying to me, he's our, you know... He's in this wonderfully emotionally fulfilling movie. You know what, motherfuckers? I'm not going to see that movie. I'm not. You know what? I'll do a review of the movie that I've never even seen. I'll do it. I don't care because I hate that. I hate what they stand for and what they're doing with that. I think I'm going to do that. I'm going to buy a ticket to something else and then just go see the flash. That way they don't actually (laughs) get my money. But I get this. I don't have to wait this to see the movie yeah just give give your uh, give your money to spider-man to into the spider-verse again or uh, across the spider-verse yeah so speaking of uh shitty streaming services doing shitty things uh, excuse me i have the hiccups for some reason okay um so netflix um yep Doubling down on the the password sharing no-no shit. Meanwhile, uh, this week, uh, I don't know if it's leaked, because it's not information that could really be leaked. It was out there. But um, somebody on uh, Twitter or somewhere uh, put up, like, oh, hey, FYI, here's what it would cost for Netflix to give the writers of these shows what they're asking for which was like it's like 28 million dollars um i yeah. guess a year or whatever is, is what they're estimating 
and here is what the the top I, I want to say it was like top five or whatever executives at Netflix. Here's what they pulled in last year. These are not creatives; they're executives. So these are, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not in it, but like it feels like these are just the guys who just go yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, make the financial decisions. I think the top earner was like a hundred million dollars, is what he made last yes. year. Some shit like that, which is just <laughs> insane. <laughs> None of them below twenty eight million dollars. Yeah, I'll just I'll just say that right now. Like I saw the list too, and none of them were under twenty eight million dollars a year. Um, uh, so yeah, like that's what I was also going to talk about was like this Netflix uh, password or profile sharing. But so meanwhile, you, you know, you're going to charge me to share my password with, with my mom. Yeah, eight dollars. Who eight dollars for per per person that they find or per IP address that they find. Mm. Um, like, like, yeah. So, so I had to like. I, how does I did, how does that work when like I like? What if you're on the go all the time? Your IP address changes the, constantly. It's IP address and uh, mobile device, um, TV device. It's it's tied to each one of them. So like you have your you have your unique device, right? But then as you start traveling, as long as it's your unique device with your profile, it's fine. It's when they find a device that is not yours because you have a primary device that they they register as your primary device. Right. So like you can give your mom the primary device. But guess what? You're getting charged then for it. There's no way out of it because it's doing it by device and IP address. So when it sees your primary device whatever it is, like whatever your cell phone is, it travels and it knows that, right? But as soon as you're not in the, the, the device that is your primary device and how they know that is by, is, is by this weird tech that they can, they can ID, because you give them access to your metadata, they can access it and find out what your phone is what your like basically what the user primary phone is um or primary devices are and then they tag it and then basically they watch it and then basically what ends up happening is is that as soon as somebody else logs in that either a has a different profile or you're using the same profile like say you want to try to trick it right and you're using the same profile but it will know based off of you allowing them the basics, the minimums of access to, to metadata. They'll know that this isn't your phone or this isn't your TV device. And that's how they get you. Like they spent hundreds of millions of dollars on this. I guarantee you because why? Because you're, you're agreeing to their terms and conditions that came out about two weeks ago included automatically being charged for any passwords or any profiles or mismatches on your devices and uh, and location automatically so if you have five profiles one of them is yours and those other four are all getting charged as soon as they log in instantly you are getting charged eight dollars a pop or if you try to work the system 
doesn't matter. As soon as like, if you have seven people that all have your password and you, and they all start logging in after this weekend, guess what? You're getting popped with $8 a person. So people are going to start getting 400, like people are going to start getting like $70, $80 Netflix bills. You know what I had to do? I had to change my password and I had to, I had to delete profiles because people were, I had people on my, I had family that were on there. But you know what? The other side of it is for me is they don't share passwords with me. So I don't feel so bad about this for them. I'm like, you know, I changed my password. I, I deleted them out. Um, there are people that can afford the $15.99 a month. I don't yeah. mind. It's not bad. So, like, you know, I refuse to get charged an extra $40 on top of my $15.99 oh, yeah. get charged. 100%. Like, I mean, I'm going to have know. to. But, like, flip side of that is I'm like, you know, I don't watch that much Netflix anymore. Uh, every once in a while, like, there's a new show that we can get into that you watch that I'm interested in. Yeah. But, like, also, you know, I mean, just putting it out there, I used to pirate shit all the time because I didn't have cable. And, you know, I was not paying those exorbitant cable fees to watch the six or seven shows that I did watch that required cable. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I was happy to put down the money for Hulu and HBO and Netflix, um, all of this stuff to watch all of these shows that I'm really interested in and continue to pay for them. Even when I'm not like, I can't tell you the last time I logged on to Netflix. Um, happy to keep giving them that my $15. Cause I, it's, a, it's fine. I, I just don't think about it, but that shit right there. I'm just like, Oh, you know what? I don't watch that much on Netflix anymore. I can just fucking cancel it. And I'm well aware of how to pirate the shit. So, you know, if that's the case, I don't know. It it drives me insane. It took HBO, which they're still learning lessons, but it took HBO a long fucking time. Like, too Mm -hmm. long to learn the lesson of like, hey, you know, if we put Game of Thrones up exactly when it's airing on HBO online people won't pirate the fucking show (laughs) they'll just watch it it took too fucking long for them to learn that lesson and this is it it, it's it's stupid man like they think that they're they're gonna lose so many subscribers like the first person who's just like not informed and gets like that bill and is like, why the fuck did I pay $80 for Netflix? They're gone, man. They're gone. And yep. you're probably they really can't are. get them back. <laughs> no, not at all. You just lost it. And you know what? They don't care about the stranger things bullshit. Like, like they really don't like if that's your, if that's your fucking whole reasoning behind this, like if you keep on just like, like flashing, Oh, well, stranger things, because if you really think about it, what else do they have? Like, what's a flagship show that you remember from Netflix other than other than Stranger Things? Like, well, I mean, like, they had they, they had a have, few that I really, really, really enjoyed. Um, the but, uh, what's but the, I'm talking Christina about Apple cultural. Show. Yes, 
I like that too, but I mean, like, let's talk cultural bombs, like, like oh, things yeah, like yeah. Game of Thrones, Euphoria, like they, they're, they design these things to last two weeks. And it's like, I don't know, man, like I, I get it to a point where I'm just like, everything feels the same from them. Like literally everything feels the fucking same. Like right. it, it like, like, and it's like, why, like I'm literally sitting here going, so like, <laughs> And this is the dirty secret that like Netflix doesn't want you to know, which is the highest number of things are shows that they buy uh, they buy the licensing for, like yeah. like nobody nobody wants to like talk about the fucking huge issue that they have now that they don't have The Office, Friends, um, or any of like the NBC shows that people love that that they've had for years because they've gone away. Because what do people watch? They don't watch anything but the same fucking three shows. They watch The Office, they watch Friends, and they watch whatever else other third show, a uh, third option show. But basically, The Office and Friends, right? And that's what they did for years for Netflix. And Netflix would make, like, Netflix never wanted to admit it. They always wanted to talk about their new shows and shit. But like, ultimately, those two shows are what kept them alive and bread and butter. As soon as they lost them, it's very interesting for me to see that now all of a sudden they've come up with new and inventive ways to make money, right? It's this, I do it's have the Seinfeld, but, but Seinfeld is... But that's going... Well, that, yeah. You've heard that that's going away. That's going to be going away whenever their contract ends, unless they yeah. want to pony up a billion dollars. Yeah. Like, so, because you know, who, you know who's going to have it? Peacock. Because yeah. it was originally on NBC, and NBC can't, like... Well, actually, no. It's going to go to Warner Brothers because Warner Brothers has Castle Rock, and Castle Rock is uh, Warner yeah. Brothers' base. And they, it'll wind and up they, a, and they, yeah, it'll wind up on one of those. Else. And yeah, yeah. It, you know, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's. I, I mean, as much as I don't like the interface for Max, and like it is frustrating, but like more and more, like Netflix is just becoming a relic. Comfort shows are where it's at for most people, man. They want to yep. be able to put on the office and, you know, just let it run. Or Big Bang Theory, or Friends, or Parks and Rec, or you know, just Brooklyn shit like that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you you want to know why? Like, I'll tell you. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say Netflix just doesn't have anything. That is quote a comfort show. They've they've lost all of it, and the, it's not as for all their want to create like an in-house comedy show. They've just failed every single time they've tried to do it. No, absolutely, and like okay, so like here's the thing, like you know why people want comfort shows? They want lo-fi things, is because all the new shit is so fucking intrinsically tied to anxiety. Like, they do all of these shows that are all anxiety-driven. And so, why the fuck does anybody want to watch some fucking show where they're constantly edging you towards, like, like an anxiety thing? It's not, it's not like the Larry David stuff where it's, the, like, the, the, um, the comedy of the uncomfortable. It's literally like, oh, you know, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about this on, it, okay, so, like, a typical, like, a very, like, the, the standard for this which is a beautiful show, but ultimately it's also not a not uh, it's also not a Netflix show because they dumped it after three seasons. Was um, um, the the Norman Lear show? 
What was that one? Um, oh, you know yeah. which one, one day at about. a time. Which was oh, well, one day fight. at a time. It's yeah. it's a great show, but I'm going to tell you the reason why it failed was because every day, every every week, it was a it was an issue topic thing that was so anxiety driven that nobody wanted to watch a yeah. woman panic about how she was going to make the rent. Like that shit is fucking hard. Nobody wants to fucking watch a comedy <laughs> when you're just that. like, I don't know how I'm making my rent. I don't really want to watch this exactly struggle to make her rent. <laughs> it's not exactly. comforting. <laughs> so, no, it's not. You know. I'd rather watch Jake Peralta. I'd rather watch Jake Peralta um, learn a stupid lesson that you know he shouldn't buy a case full of bees to start a bee farm or some shit like that. I, I know Brooklyn Nine Nine did not ever have anything like that, but I'm giving you an example of like. I'd rather have something lo-fi and funny and just kind of like ridiculous than, than this bullshit that they do. Like they constantly like that. That is the key to every Netflix show. And basically every current show is, Oh, we got to make a statement and we got, we can't be funny just for funny sake. We've got to fucking do this thing. We got to make a point. And you know what? We got to make everybody feel the way that we do, which is anxiety and shitty about everything. It's like, uh, not everything has to be Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul. Like yeah. I, I'm like, there's a space for that, right? There's a space for that, and, but give me, give me stuff that's a little bit more positive, or so, something that's not anxiety inducing. So does Fubar fall into that category? <laughs> no. Okay. So Fubar is their. Very much so algorithm action shit. Okay. That's honest. I'm really like, okay, I watched one episode and the problem is, is that it feels like True Lies Part 2, but done like the Gray Man and every other Netflix action thing. It's It's got a budget, it looks like. Um... But the thing is, is that it just, it's like the meme, do something, do something, do something that I haven't seen. Um, there's moments, but to be perfectly honest, um, it's just, I don't know, like, so, so the thing is, is like, Arnold like is basically playing Harry Tasker again, except for he's an older version of him. He's 65, quote, even though we all know the dude's 75, 80 years old, right? Um, and then like, you know, the whole concept is is that he's a spy, but his daughter's also a spy, i.e., True Lies Part Two, which was supposed to be the 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 this is like literally, I hope that he's paying Cameron a lot of money for this because that was the idea for True Lies Two, if you guys didn't know, was that Elisa Dushkus was supposed to be what was supposed to be a spy, but Harry and um oh god, Helen didn't know that she was a spy and she gets involved with the terrorist cell and like quite literally before fucking 9-11 happened, there was supposed to like like Spider-Man, which I always find weird, uh, that like I would love to see the, the original filmed finale, uh, The Twin Towers, it's just not morbid, but it's just interesting to me that Spider-Man, the original, like the reason yeah. why it cost so much money was because at the last minute they had to redo, they had to redo what they had already filmed and they already spent 
a hundred like hundreds of millions of dollars on um and they had to redo it because it it like and it becomes this really weird like lo-fi small thing when it was actually a huge set piece that was supposed to end it that's why all of the guys if you didn't know like you know the original toby spider-man um posters all had the twin towers on them and they like yeah. quickly removed that shit it was because it was supposed to take place but supposedly the ending of true lies part two was set at the twin towers also um with like all this crazy shit going on and basically when 9-11 hit they had to completely rechange it but from what i understood it was like the thing to get cameron back into the director's seat for the sequel because it was like it was like it was like the the first one but like on steroids it was like in new york city it was the twin towers uh, alicia dushku fucking jamie lee curtis arnold all that this feels like they took that idea and let's make a netflix show out of it but let's make it like the gray man let's make it as palely uninteresting as possible and that's what I the most that, disappointing man. part about that. Because yeah, I mean, like Arnold is cheesy and goofy, and it's fine. But like he, can, like with the right script and the right setting, he can be him, and like all of that click and work, and just be fun. And like I, I, I followed like he's been doing press for this, and uh, somebody asked him what he thought his most underrated movie was and uh he said uh last action hero which he's a hundred percent right about like oh yeah that movie does not get the credit it deserves it's so fucking good and ahead of its time and just brilliant and he gets to be him and you just get to move the world around him but like when it's when it's like when everything else around him is uninteresting and it's just him being cheesy, goofy Arnold. Yeah. That's not going to be fun, man. So I I mean, they were, they were betting pretty big on this Arnold in a TV show. So, I mean, I'm sure it got eyeballs, but like it, you know, if the reviews aren't great, which I looked at the IMDB reviews, it's mostly bad. Um, So that that's unfortunate. The cast is pretty good. But I, I'll yeah, probably still no, watch a couple of episodes. I'm gonna give it more. I mean, it was one episode, uh, but it definitely. And then the the storyline of like a like a a drug dealing arms dealer played by Gibra Luna, who was the TX and uh, the yeah. Terminator Dark Days or whatever the, the last one was. Dark Fate, um, yeah. Dark Fate. Um, I like him. I like him as an actor, but straddling him with this like Latino arms dealer, drug dealer is so fucking without like, if you're going to do that, you let Vince Gillian do that. Right. Like you don't, you, you don't like have whatever kind of semi showrunner you give somebody who can bring some kind of like the writing has to be literally fucking perfect if it's not fucking perfect don't do this shit because it comes off as a cliche and literally it comes off as a cliche like so far now it could it could change in one episode or like you know as the show evolves but i don't think so like it's really kind of it, it was it's like 
when you find out who the villain is, you roll your eyes and go, oh, yeah, of course. That's the kind of fucking show it is. Because, you know, this is this show shows me why AI metrics get you boring shit. Like, this is not like like AI could never make Breaking Bad, right? Yeah. It could it could make but it could definitely make Fubar because that's what it feels like. And I like that's the most insulting thing to me. I will say this. If you're looking for an 80s action icon show that is super interesting and you go, "Fuck. Okay. Watch Stallone's Tulsa King. I'm 3 episodes in and I shit you not, it's some of the best fucking things that he's done in like yeah. 20 years. I've, I've heard very mixed um, things. I've heard people go like, holy shit, this is so much fun and so good. It's like classic Stallone, like 80s stuff. And then I've heard some people who are just like, no, this is stupid. I don't like it. But I, a lot of it probably has to do like if you don't like that stuff anyway, you're not going to like it. Yes. No. Okay. So that's the thing. And also it's going to be how you feel about Tyler Sheridan. Like if you like Yellowstone, right. you might be in the back for this. I'm not a huge Yellowstone fan. In fact, I fucking, I, you know, I don't need, I, I don't need, I don't need redneck Game of Thrones. I'm sorry. Just don't, I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't come into my broadband. That's fine. Like it's not for me, but I'm not going to shit on it. But what I am going to say is Tulsa King is totally my fucking jam. It's Stallone. Okay, so like I feel like the difference here is that Stallone cares because he has Taylor Sheridan writing him some great shit, not just as a character, but like the milieu of the thing. Um, it's very like I'm like you know I'm always like I'm always flexible about like what I watch, right? Like I gave Yellowstone a chance; it just wasn't me. But this Midwestern western gangster thing that's like it's like martin scorsese decided to make a movie in oklahoma starring a gangster like that's literally what this is and it's how he brings his stuff and you could just tell like like i was joking with somebody about it i was like look get on it on the ground floor because i can guarantee you that Stallone and Sheridan are probably going to have Al Pacino show up and it's going to be a lot of fucking fun because Al's finally come to that point in his life where he's like, I'm friends with Stallone. I've been ashamed of it before, but I don't give a shit now. I'm just going to fucking be, I'm going to be Al and doing all this shit. But it's like that kind of show. It's that kind of wild show that you could see a bunch of these older um, Italian dudes, Italian American actors just show up because they're seeing what Stallone is doing. And Stallone, I feel like, is giving it because he's like, I fucked up. I really should have been in The Godfather. I should have yeah. I should have taken that. I should have tried harder. I should have tried to get Sonny. James Caan should not have gotten it. Um, this is my shot at it. And, like, regardless of what you think of the show, you watch Stallone and he cares. I'm not sure if Arnold cares. Or if Arnold has the capacity yet to get back to old Arnold. Yeah. Because we as as we know, he's been out of the game for a while. Um, you know, 
Um, I love watching him and his donkey. Like, like and that's not a <laughs> euphemism, guys. <laughs> like, literally, he owns he owns a miniature do- donkey. Um, I think it's called Stasi. Um, it's something very German, but it's great. Like, like to see an animal that literally looks pint sized that's really not pint sized next to this yeah. ginormous old man, um, smoking stogies and shit. I love his social media appearance. Like, it's weird how Stallone has shifted and become the better actor when at a time there was a point where we were like making fun of Stallone and his and Arnold was like, we considered Arnold the better actor. It's It's been flipped now. Like Stallone is actually definitely the better actor, which is, I, I'm, but I also see that Arnold, like Stallone, I don't know if, like, I know this sounds weird, but I feel like Stallone has always cared about his roles, even when he was at his most yeah. arrogant during Cobretti. He cared, like our Cobra, he cared about the stuff. I'm not sure Arnold cares anymore or cares to the extent because he has so much, he has so much out there. He's doing so much more than just, uh, he has his fitness stuff. He has movies and TV. Um, You know, he has the environment. I mean, like he's talking, he's a big proponent of environmental, like environmental safety and, and like, you know, going against all of his like Republican, um, his yeah, on the other in, side of the camera, he definitely seems to be more uh, relatable, though, which is weird to mm-hmm. say about Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, where Stallone seems to be more of the like kind of a, a I guess, a drama king, <laughs> not a yes. drama queen. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I'm with you acting wise. I, I, I do think Stallone is. Uh, delivering the better work and probably i mean honestly has been for a while arnold hasn't done much but you know no. uh stallone when he wants to turn it on he is he is really really good so um yeah so, so yeah speaking I, I of, say, of netflix <laughs> something yeah. is coming to netflix friday if you've been uh waiting for the last season of the flash to finish it premieres on Netflix Friday. Don't waste your time. Um, I watched the finale last night. Holy shit. Oh. I mean, I... Okay, so... The Arrowverse honestly, going out with a fucking just whimper, man. Like, just a whimper. Okay, so I haven't kept up since... Shit. Um... Uh, what is not? It's not League of Legends, but uh, League, Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, since it Legends canceled. of Tomorrow season. Oh no, no season two, or season three. So I think that's one season before it got canceled, right? Okay. Mm, is it season I three think, or is it season four? I think five was the last year. So okay. I so I saw season. Uh, no, actually four because I saw the second to last season. Okay. Um, and that was. That was at a time where everything was running and I could not watch everything because it was just so hard to yeah, get was a like lot. six shows. It yeah. was like literally yeah, six. Black because Lightning, I think it was Supergirl, um, Flash, Arrow, Flash, Arrow. Legends, and Batwoman. Yeah, so seven. Um, uh, but I mean, it was still... Like around that time, it was still good. It was still like must see TV. Um, it was still trying to like, like you were trying honestly to catch, like to keep up with this stuff because they were doing, they were doing like Berlanti, 
and Johns and like the like you know and that crew were doing so good with the overwrought, overheated like like melodrama of it all, mm-hmm. but doing it so well that you couldn't you couldn't not watch it right. Like it was like it was so intri- like it was intricate, but intricate in like the most. I hate being a Beckhampton compliment, but it was intricate in the most basic of ways. Like yeah. you and I could sit there and for in, in twenty minutes figure out like the crossover events yeah. that they've done in like you know during sweeps weeks and stuff. We could have figured that out in twenty minutes. Like just you and I just talking back and forth and figuring out like how to involve everybody and how to make it. It's the most simplest like first draft of crossovers, but it worked and it was fun, right? Um, what happened? Like what's happening? Like, so ultimately, my question is: Season nine. What happened with the Flash? I mean, it it, it used to be like such a great show. Um, yeah. Even when it was like, oh, this is big and dumb, it was still like fun to watch. And I mean, it was a lot of things. Uh, they lost most of their key uh, uh, actors, which that's fine. It's it's hard to stay yeah. on a hour-long drama for eight nine years um most of the the key cast is gone and have been replaced by other other new characters uh budget cuts you can tell you can tell their budget basically in the last two years have been cut in half because oh like it, it was like it got to a point where they wouldn't even show the flash speeding off screen ever almost it, it like maybe once an episode you'd see him speed off screen but most of the time it was cameras on somebody else giant gust to win stuff blows over that's how you know the flash is gone you know it, it felt like shit from the like 80s where it's like we don't have the budget to actually you know show you things um which is unfortunate not the showrunner's fault but honestly this whole yeah. Arrowverse thing should have ended with the big uh, uh, crisis that the last big crisis event they had that that resulted in mm-hmm. the death death of Green Arrow. That's when it okay. should have ended. Um, and that makes it just, sense. It overstayed its welcome. Unfortunately, it's it's such a whimper of a, a season. I I I hate that it ended like this. Um, but uh, Titans also ended a couple of weeks ago, um, which I know yes. you're you're behind on that. Um, so I won't I won't give I too much it. away. I'll just say okay, it doesn't end with a whimper, but it doesn't end like I don't know. You could kind of felt like they had more story to tell, but I, this season for it started out so promising and just ended up being a retread of other which is exactly what the flash was um it just uh a retread of things that they had done before so so, you know that's sad all these warner superhero shows just not not ending well man (laughs) no no unfortunately not and um i'm actually afraid of doom patrol because i have like three episodes left in the final season and i'm just like uh, uh." um so it's just it's really weird how like like 
it, it should have ended, like you said, it should have ended sooner. Um, you are correct in that. Like I, I do remember that that being a huge event, and then and then everybody's saying like it's continuing on, and I'm like, what? I mean, you got. I mean, you literally had like crisis of an infinite earth. I mean, and you did something really special. You got certain people to show up on a TV show, on TV shows that that they didn't show up on. Like you wouldn't see them showing up on. And uh, yeah, and you didn't end it there, or you didn't end it like somehow you ended it like a couple of episodes later, right? Like yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Like that, that seems weird. Um, uh, Titans is is fun. Um, I just like the 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 problem I feel like is going to be like I hope that as I move on that the whole thing of of oh it's 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 a show that's rated R gets tiresome for them and they just kind of go to okay it's it's a more mature show let's not just like you know it, it's like the kid who. <laughs> It's like the kid who gets like Showtime and realizes at midnight they or yeah. Cinemax <laughs> midnight. Like, it, it, it was yeah, Skinamax and it's like boobies, all the boobies in the world, all the naked ladies, all the naked ladies, and it's like it gets tiresome very yeah. fast. Like it's like come on, we can do more than that. Um, so so yeah, like I. I'm hoping that it kind of gets away from those moments because like, there's so many of those little moments in the show. Uh, in Teen Titans, and I'm just like, oh, okay. I understand this is for kids who find, like, teenagers who find this and, like, are into comic books, and they're like, oh, R-ratedness and comic book heroes that I, I know. Wow, this is great. Um, but, like I said, it gets tiresome. Um, yeah, so, uh, but I'm, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, ex- I'm, I'm interested to keep going. Like, like ultimately, like with Teen Titans, and I, I will let you know once because you know how I work. I, I, I'll watch a couple episodes, let it sit and brew, watch a couple of more. Um, the same way that I am with most of my TV, I don't, I don't subscribe to the binge unless it's something like Ted Lasso, which recently their last episode just got ruined for me, even though I haven't seen it, which I'm pretty pissed about. I'm not gonna, um. I'm not going to say it here because like, I know we ruin everything, but I'm not going to ruin everything. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but what was specifically ruined was done by social media pages, posting the posting an image of a newspaper. And I'm like, Oh, what? Oh, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Come on, you assholes. So the, those social pages are not followed anymore. Um, because, you know, if you're going to sell things for me only a week later or like a couple of days later, I'm just not going to have it. But anyway, um, it's all to say, like, you know, um, I'm going to continue on. Um, thank God I didn't do the Arrowverse because that would make me very mad. Very, very, very mad, um, especially considering the the time that you invest in it. Like, I can only imagine how fucking pissed off you are with all the years of investment that we've put into this and just to have nothing um or to have it go out with a whimper um that's the most uh, disappointing thing is that it it just it didn't it would have been more fun and more meaningful just to have like not even a finale just everybody together you know and just sitting mm -hmm. around talking like that would have been 
it, it would have been better to end on a fucking clip show than what they ended with. It w- it was just so ridiculous and such a retread of things they've done over and over and over and over again that it just so just disappointing man but you know it it is what it is we've we've got a superhero movie coming this week that oh yes all i mean by all accounts is not gonna be fucking disappointing no no it really isn't um like i'm like uh like i was telling you and this is what we'll close with like Fucking Spider-Man across the uh, across the Spider-Verse. Like, I I I don't know of a movie that I've been more hyped for recently. Um, like the only thing that I'm more hyped for in comic book versedom is we just got a 12 minute playing trailer game trailer for Spider-Man Two for PS5, where we're gonna be able to play fucking both Miles and Peter. Like so, it's yeah. basically a, a like a it's a sequel for both of the games into one. Oh man, I am so so hyped for this to come out in October November. Um, as much as I am to to see into the Spider Verse. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so we're gonna be talking about that next week. Uh, you know, yep. um, all the spoilers and all the goodness of that of that movie, whatever it may be. Um, are you seeing it Thursday or Friday? Um, I'm hoping to see it Thursday. Okay, I'm seeing it Friday. Uh, we're we're seeing it Friday. So, so, uh, but I'm super hyped. I've already watched. I mean, I was uh, into uh, like Into the Spider Verse is like one of my favorite uh, movies, and I constantly watch it all the time. It's yeah, one of my favorite Spider. I'm gonna rewatch movies. it this week. Uh, okay. I haven't seen yeah. it in a while. So. Oh man, you're in for a treat. Like it just just because it's just like it's that punch, right? Like yeah. you forget how good it is, and then you watch it again. You go, "Fuck, this is good." And then fucking Nicolas Cage shows up, and you're like, "Oh man, this is too much." It's the Vince McMahon. It's the it's the Vince McMahon uh, meme of like you know uh, the, that stupid meme where they keep on like talking yeah. about stuff and he keeps on going, "Oh," and then he ascends to the galaxy. Um, so. Yeah, uh, we'll definitely be talking about that. Um, where can they even find you, Logan, on the socials? Uh, go check out everything else we're doing over at xwingfiles.com. Um, it's a little quiet right now, but uh, it, it might be a little quiet until I'm officially moved. So uh, it might just be this podcast sporadically and pod lasso. Um, but uh, yeah, go check out everything over there. Go write and review us on iTunes. Uh, I'm almost non-existent on social media these days. <laughs> I I dipped my toe back into it when we started this podcast, and then Elon and uh, Mark Zuckerberg have a, have <laughs> steadily made me just go, oh no no no, I don't want to do any of this. So if, <laughs> <laughs> if 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 people don't find me, then they don't find me because like I just I'm gonna just keep doing what what I like doing. Um, and then you can read my stuff over at Adam's site, which should have had a post this week, but I meant to text you. We got caught in a uh, uh, road work delay coming back from the ball game. So it was like four in the morning when I got back. And I basically. Oh, damn. Did, yeah, I was so fucking exhausted. <laughs> like, I, I went straight to bed and then basically did nothing all day yesterday. <laughs> Because I was just like, I feel worn out, man. So, 
Um, but yeah, Clerks piece coming. Uh, that'll be up uh, this coming week. Um, and I've got uh, Major League Two uh, coming in a few weeks. And then I just finished um, Return of the Jedi, which I'm sending to you today. And I, I th- I, the, the Gremlins talk, I think Gremlins 2 is going to be next. I think I'm going to rewatch Gremlins 2 and and nice. write something up on that. So, But uh, you can find all that over at Adam's website. Yes, themovieisle.com, um, where you can read my work. And like as, as Logan said, uh, Logan's work. Um, uh, yeah, no, I'm hustling like as usual. So you guys can read anything that it was a slower week last week because uh, like, you know, personal issues, um, which, you know, it happens from time to time. But we'll be back next week um, harder and uh, stronger than we were last week. And uh, again, uh, read Logan's columns, especially um, the, the clerks one is like once it posts is one of my favorites just because it's it's a, it's about a topic that I think that Logan hates to talk about, which is himself. <laughs> but he does such a brilliant fucking job of talking about himself in this one that, like, it's one of my favorite things because there's a lot of things that I didn't know about him that I got to know about him. Um, uh, like, you know, early early era Logan is, it, like, you know, and, like, the uh, through seen through the lens of Clerks is very interesting. So definitely, re- uh, definitely read this when it posts. Uh, you'll see it. It'll be on the socials. Um, so with that, guys, uh, we'll be back. Hopefully we'll be back next week. Um, we can't we guarantee should. it. We should. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. Uh, It'll well, be the weeks we'll be after that. They start getting a little, little dicey. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> We'll see you guys next week. Number